Welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast. I'm your host, Charles Laker. On today's episode, we speak to Deputy City Manager Michael Run. So I remember reading briefly that didn't the mayor or someone there get arrested and the, the FBI came in? Is that? So was that those all happened, yes. Uh, while was that I was when there. You were there, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so there were some unique challenges yeah. uh, in the midst of rebuilding bankruptcy. The political environment is. Uh, is unique there and yeah micah has over 18 years experience in municipal government with a primary focus in economic development and management he previously served as the director of economic development for the city of stockton where he was responsible for economic development which included housing and homelessness issues venue management and parking operations and he oversaw a team of over 20 employees During our conversation, we found out that Micah grew up in the world of politics. His father was a city council member in the city of Lancaster, California, who then went on to be a state senator. His mother worked in the California State Assembly. So it's not surprising that Micah has worked in local government since leaving college. Prior to the city of Stockton, Micah was the economic development manager for the city of Rancho Cordova and a senior project manager for the city of Sacramento. I really enjoyed speaking to Michael Runner, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Now, on to the show. We launched this podcast with a great episode with the Rancho Cordova city manager, Cyrus Abar, and we're very happy to have you with us today. So tell us, what is the role of an assistant city manager within the structure of City Hall? Well, as far as uh, it can be different and unique uh, through different um, cities, and sometimes it's called an assistant, sometimes it's called a deputy, so um, it kind of is used interchangeably a little bit, but uh, really we're there to support kind of the city manager and what he does. And um, for the city of Ranch Cordova, uh, my responsibility or my direct responsibility falls in a few different areas. Uh, One is development, community development, uh, economic development. Um, and then uh, some of our community efforts that, that we're and working And then actually through. we're going to talk about that later. I have them all pinned out. Right. To, uh, um, how closely do you work with the city manager on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so we work very close um, yeah. on uh, helping him kind of meet the community needs. And um, obviously a city manager can be very busy being right. pulled in lots of different directions. And so um, I spend a lot of my time um, working with the, with the teams and, and continuing the um, the, the vision and, and the message uh, from the city manager within the city. Um, and so I spend a lot of my time on, you know, kind of operational things, uh, community efforts, and really focusing on uh, keeping the team together and supporting the city manager and, and what we do. So by definition, you're number two? I, I, I guess that's what, you yeah. know, sometimes is used. And sometimes uh, I do compare it sometimes to like a vice principal. Right. Uh, where sometimes the or vice, vice principals uh, get some of yeah. the you know, some of the challenges or right. some of the, the hard conversations sometimes, but uh, but it really is a lot of fun to, to work with a team, with right. the city manager. Or in the military, the sergeant major. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we call this segment um, that you're on, we call this on the Rancho Cordova podcast, Get to Know City Hall, because we have different segments. This is a segment where listeners can really get to know the people who run our city. So in that vein... Let's get to know you a little bit. So where were you born? And tell us about your early life. 
Sure. Well, I was uh, born in Lancaster, California, which is uh, a little bit north of L.A. Um, in, uh, in California. And um, I actually, uh, through high school, uh, my dad ran and was on the city council okay. uh, in, in Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I had the unique perspective and opportunity to see how government works right. at, a, at a real connected and local level. Uh, and, um, and with that, uh, both of my parents ended up serving in the state legislature as well. And so, um, I've kind of seen a, a political environment and how community work, uh, happens, um, but had a different path as far as wanting to focus and be on the community side. And so, um, as I grew up, I had a pretty standard childhood and, uh, my, uh, both my parents worked in a private school down in Lancaster. My dad actually founded the, the private school and then ended up running for city council as something he was interested wow. in. So was your mom in the city council? No. So she didn't, uh, wasn't in the city council, but, uh, she followed him. My dad was assembly member from that 36 assembly district. And my mom actually replaced him when oh, he wow. went to the Senate representing the same space. And so, uh, basically my mom and dad both served in the state legislature at the first time, which was, uh, they were the first husband and wife to both represent uh, both one in the Senate and one in the Assembly at the okay. same time in California. So your father, I did hear that your father was a state senator, right? Correct. So yeah. state senator and actually ended up at the Board of Equalization. But at the time he was the state senator, my mom was actually the Assembly person wow. uh, from the same district. Okay, so you really did grow up in a political family then. I did, although you know I was in high school and I actually moved out pretty quickly. And so I would say my sister got to experience, she's 11 years younger, right. she got to experience that more on the day-to-day right, right. basis than I did. Uh, but it did give me a connection to um, to local government. I right. got to see um, what they did. I actually served on the youth commission in uh, in Lancaster when I was in high school, a senior. Uh, my first job was working for the city of Lancaster in the park and rec department. And so um, I saw it at a very early age. And um, not always when people grow up, they say, hey, I want to go into local government right. or I want to go into um, economic development, which right. which I started my career in. Right. Um, but I always kind of had that focus even through high school, which is and through college. Well, my dream job in city government would be city manager, by the way. Well, it's the best, it's the it, best one, I, right? It's the, I it's knew the, the city manager of Palm Springs. Well, I do know, well, he's retired now, but I know him very well. And he was there for a long time. And that I really got, I mean, he was a good friend of mine. And I got a really good grasp of what a city manager does. Um, yeah, it's a great job. It, it is a great job yeah. and it comes with challenges. And I will say, I think the average was like three to four years, how long a city manager right. survives in a political environment. Right. Um, but it's well worth the challenge. You yeah. really get to, I always say local government, if you're going to be in, in government in any place, right. really is the place where you right. can affect people as, yeah. as the most. No, no, you, I, you, I agree. You kind of so have a, that connection. So high school, were you a good student? Yeah, so I was, you know, kind of a, a good student. I played sports. I played both uh, baseball and, and, uh, and soccer. Um, and so kind of a good student, um, went to a private school down in Southern, Southern California for college for a couple of years. I spent a semester in Israel, um, as part of an exchange program, going to school there and, and getting to see a lot of different places in Israel for four to six months as wow. a semester. Um, but then ended up, uh, going to uh, Sac State. And so I'm um, coming to this region. Uh, my dad was in the assembly at the time. And so he had a apartment here. And so uh, we became roommates. So I moved in with my dad and, wow. uh, as a junior in, in college. And um, it was a good roommate to have because he was mostly down in Southern California. Right, right. So I had a place to myself. Right. And 
Um, basically finished up at, at Sac State and really enjoyed the Sacramento region. And come out with area. a degree? Came out with a degree in communications. Yeah. Um, and uh, met my wife at uh, in class in Recreation and Leisure 101 uh, at, at Sac State. And so um, basically at, from that point forward really made this region my home right. and really focusing on um, you know local government and um, basically got a job almost right out of college uh, for the city of Sacramento working in economic development. So, because I did read that you started your city government career in Sacramento. Correct. So straight from college? I had a little bit of a, a market research job about six months uh, while I was waiting for the right opportunity, but um, a new home research. And so I did some real estate market research for about six months right out of college. But uh, quickly went into work for the city of Sacramento doing economic development work. And that's where you worked, economic development? That? Yeah, and so I actually had an internship with the California Redevelopment Association, uh, which was the association that um, of redevelopment agencies across the state. Um, redevelopment doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Uh, Jerry Brown was uh, eliminated that from, uh, from the state toolbox. Um, and so there was a whole dissolution of redevelopment agencies that happened uh, about 10 years ago. Um, but that work basically gave me the experience and focus and opportunity to, to look at economic development, redevelopment type right. work for cities. So your dad as a state senator, who would the governor have been? Jerry Brown? So at that time that they dissolved redevelopment, I don't know... My dad might have been in the le- – both of my parents might have been in the legislature at that time, Jerry actually. Brown. Jerry yeah. Brown, yeah. Because he was good governor, right? So, I mean, oh, I, I think it depends on, on your perspective. Political. I mean, yeah. if you were a redevelopment, you right. know, fanatic, right. probably not. Right, <laughs> but right, if right. you're, you know, wanted to, to do some different things. So, you no. know, and, and, and I think that's something important from a, a you know, city manager perspective is we're, we're apolitical. Right. You know, it's very important for right. us to kind of – take the direction of our leaders and our policymakers and stay pretty apolitical in the spectrum environment um, and support the policies and direction that they have. And then you landed from Sacramento, you landed here in Rancho Cordova as the Econ Development Director, right? Yeah, so I actually was the Economic Development Manager. um, And so you know, came over to Rancho Cordova about five or six years after they incorporated. So that was 2000... Seven or so. Oh, so they were already Rancho. So they were already yeah. Rancho Cordova. They've been about going about five years. But, you know, I came from the city of Sacramento, which was a very big, right. you know, city. And right. um, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot right. of, you know, kind of process to get things done. Right. Um, coming to Rancho Cordova was unique because it was a startup city. Right. You know, you don't get to, I mean, yes, it was five years old, but, you know, a five-year-old company is yeah, still yeah. very no, much in startup mode. So back then, what projects can you remember working on that we would know today? Sure. So I think some of the ones that you actually see pretty close to this office here is the Folsom Lake College campus. Oh, okay. So um, we I worked on a project trying to acquire that piece of property right. um, so that we could basically uh, work on uh, transferring that or working with the Los Rios Community College to build that project. And so... Um, a little unique. Sometimes in local government, you start projects and you go somewhere else and somebody else finishes the project or right. gets it done because right. sometimes things take a, a, right. a minute to do. But um, that was one of the, the interesting projects that uh, I did when I was here the first time. Yeah. And then from here, you moved to Stockton as economic development Correct. director. And Stockton, obviously, is a much larger city. So Stockton is seen as a challenging city. You know, people say Stockton. Ooh. 
I actually shot a film in Stockton and had a good time there. I didn't really see any of the problems. But then again, I was only there 10 days. Um, did you find, what challenges were there in Stockton? Sure. So I actually got to Stockton in kind of an interesting way, um, where the city of Stockton actually contracted with the city of Rancho Cordova for me to be there three days a week. So I was serving both as the oh, economic okay. development director in Stockton three days a week, and two days a week still in the city of Rancho Cordova, kind of fulfilling the same role. Um, so that's a unique thing where a city contracts with another city. And partly that was because at that time, Stockton, Stockton had filed for bankruptcy. And so basically Stockton was in bankruptcy process. And so they weren't really sure, you know, they wanted, needed support, but they, you know, kind of needed to kind of work out how much time and resources they had to, to, um, to have to support somebody. And so, so what did you do there? What so, was you know, part of it in Stockton, you know, economic development director actually meant a lot of things in Stockton. And so um, it was basically the traditional economic development activities. Um, but it was also all real estate and real property. Um, but it was also affordable housing and homelessness uh, responsibility. Uh, and then basically what I call is strategic assets. So uh, the arena operation, the ballpark, uh, the Bob Hope Theater. Um, those are all city assets, uh, parking garages and parking enforcement. So it was my first, my career has always been on the economic development side. Uh, it was my first real experience being responsible for an enforcement activity in a regulatory environment. I mean, you know, economic development traditionally is. So parking enforcement comes under economic it development. It does. It so does? parking enforcement in Stockton did. And so. So the money from parking goes to. to well, I mean, it goes to the city, but okay. as far as the response department okay. responsibility fell within wow, I didn't uh, know that. economic development. Okay. So even though, you know, sometimes economic development can be a catch all for a lot of different variety right. of sources. And so like the arena. Uh, the ballpark. So as part of uh, one of the things they did in Stockton was actually getting this the Sacramento Kings G League team to come to Stockton. Okay. Um, and so we negotiated a lease to, to have them um, move their team from Reno to Stockton. And so, um, and really I think for why it made sense in economic development in Stockton for having these strategic assets was uh, because we have a different perspective of balancing both the private sector with the with the you know government sector, right. and so um, we were looking at you had to be able to look at an operating budget and see what's working, what's not working, and so that's why we, in economic development, kind of ran the strategic assets, and even the the marinas and the boat launches were all in all economic development. Eco. Yeah. Wow! So it's a big department. Yeah, it was. And you were still working here at the same time. So that only lasted for uh, about three three months, and so I was kind of doing that oh, half time. And then you went to And then basically through the conversations with uh, the city manager or the deputy city manager there at the time, um, he offered for me to come full time. Right. There was a tax measure that was on the ballot for November before I started to work there. That was actually part of the bankruptcy solution, and so I I basically said, "Can we wait and see how that uh, gets approved?" Because if that didn't get approved as part of the bankruptcy process, it would have been a lot more of a kind of um, re, like tearing it down and right. layoffs and things. And so once that got approved, it was really being a part of, of rebuilding Stockton. So they were bankrupt. So, so it was you, going hear at the bottom. A lot, you hear a lot about cities going bankrupt yeah. and they file for – what does it mean when a city files for bankruptcy? Let's say Rancho Cordova, which I know never will, but file for bankruptcy. What does it mean to the city? I mean, it doesn't really mean that much different than anybody else's bankruptcy where you just don't have enough revenue to pay your bills. And so you have debt, you have credit. And 
when we talk about so you cut services, you can't services until you can't, you basically become service insolvent. You just can't produce right. the uh, what you need to from a uh, from an operating standpoint. And remember, it's just the general fund that went bankrupt. So things like utilities, they all have their own separate right. enterprise fund source, and so it's really the general fund that that is bankrupt. And so. Um, we really just city of Stockton didn't have enough money to pay their bills, and so basically you end up renegotiating with all your debt, your liabilities. Wow. Um, and so when I went there, they were negotiating all of those transactions, and so it was really a unique opportunity for me to come in and take on a challenge of a bankrupt city and a kind of service insolvency environment and try to rebuild and renegotiate all of those different contracts. And what year that would that have been? Uh, that was 2013 and 14. So I remember reading briefly that didn't the mayor or someone there get arrested and the FBI came in? Is that? So those all happened, yes, uh, while I was there. there? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, So there were some unique challenges uh, in the midst of rebuilding bankruptcy. The political environment is uh, is unique there, and um, I kind of see it as as you know Stockton kind of navigates differently between a more progressive group and a more conservative group, but they, f- they flip-flop pretty like wow. consistently from a policymaker standpoint. And so I think it just lends itself to some challenges from a consistent direction. And so you're kind of moving a little bit right. from an implementation standpoint. And then I read one of your responsibilities in Stockton was homeless issues, which we mm-hmm. just touched on. Homelessness in the unhoused and how we help them is a subject that this podcast we talk about quite a bit. It's, I'm fairly passionate on homeless issues. We had the city manager, we had the mayor, and we've had the police chief. And I've asked them all how they see the issue of homelessness in this city, in Rancho Cordova. Um, and I won't ask you because that's been answered. But was the homeless problem in Stockton as severe as it seems to be in most cities today? I would say the homeless issue in Stockton is worse than in most cities. It is? Um, It is a challenge there. Wow. Um, There is a pretty significant unhoused population that that is in Stockton. Um, And there aren't the real good resources there to deal with those challenges. So you're on your own there? um, And so it's a big challenge. Uh, And, um, you know, finding the right resources. And so we, when I was there, we you know, supported and built multiple affordable housing projects and trying to at least help on the supply side. Um, but then it's it's really a partnership with the county that you have to have. And San Joaquin County um, was at times, you know, successful, but at times not successful in kind of dealing with the challenges of homelessness. And so um, Stockton is a little bit different than, um, say, the city of Rancho Cordova, where it's a bigger city, full service. And so you have some of the different responsibilities um, that come with that. Um, and it is an urban environment where you see um, some of the challenges around homelessness are real, are usually more challenging in, in a more um, urban city. And so uh, that's something that the city had to deal with. And, and cities typically deal with the, um, you know, with the challenges or the um, symptoms of homelessness, not necessarily the causes. The county kind of has responsibility around the causes. We, we as the city sometimes have to respond to the symptoms. We're not really solving homelessness. We're just dealing with some of the symptoms. What is a symptom? Um, whether that's, um, you know, encampments, whether oh. that's clean and safe opportunities, whether that's, you know, some crime issues. And so we're really dealing with the symptoms of, of homelessness, not the rest of the causes, the mental health, the addiction, right, those right. types of things. And here in Rancho, it's, it's, there is definitely a policy to deal with it, right? 
So I think, you know, and, and I'm sure you talked about this with some of yeah. your other podcasts, but. Well, with the police, I mean, how they deal with it and yeah. they deal with it. And I mean, they have a, a, a squad, a group devoted to homeless issues. Yep. And the hot team, the yeah. homeless outreach team. Yeah. And so I think it's it's a little two-pronged approach. It's trying to find services and trying to provide services, but also um, still doing enforcement. There's, but is that important to you law. as the assistant city manager? I think it's important to the community. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of times what we do is respond to our community and what they care about. Right. And um, that's really what you've seen from when you do any kind of polling to the community, when right. you talk about issues, homelessness is one of, and, and affordable housing is one of the. But the here's where I would think it. the challenge is. So you're in a city council meeting and the resident comes and, you know, they're up in arms that there's some homeless people at the end of my street and you need to move them right away because I don't want them there. How do you how do you deal with that on, at a city level? Well, I think there's um, there's also challenges on, on kind of legal challenges on what you can and can't do. And so I think we're going to, you know, walk that, you know, kind of opportunity and both dealing with the symptoms, but also not getting in, in a place where we become, um, we want to be compassionate. You know, I think it's you try to be both compassionate to both the individuals that are experiencing the homelessness, but also the residents and the businesses that are um, that are faced with the challenge of, you know, tents and things and, and you know, those types of things that they don't want to see. It, it gives a feeling of, of unsafe. And so I think that's really is we want to be compassionate with right. both sides. Right. And then your journey in city government brought you back ultimately to Rancho Cordova, where you are now as assistant city manager. So when was that and how did that come about? Is that something you apply for or they came to you? So um, a little unique. And uh, we have a club at Rancho Cordova called the Boomerang Club. And so that club is those who've left Rancho Cordova and come back. So as the That's a real you know, thing, it's a, the Boomerang Club? Maybe not quite a real thing, right. but we talk about That's it as the Boomerang Club. Uh, and really shows you know how great the city of Rancho Cordova right. is where, where folks you know, take on a challenge or an opportunity, but they want to come back. And so I could see. um, So it's a it's it's something that we talk about uh, sometimes is the boomerang club. And so I came back um, basically through a conversation with the city manager at the time, which is Cyrus. And so, um, you know, I had experience in Rancho Cordova before. And so I was a known quantity. Um, I think they were looking for some additional capacity uh, for the organization. Did the uh, did it exist the position? Uh, it did not exist. No. Um, it was at the in the past. It had existed as the assistant or the deputy city manager, and um, it didn't exist. There was nobody in that role for quite some time uh, for Cyrus. I'm not sure Cyrus ever had the assistant or deputy right. as he's been city manager. It was the first one he had um, and brought back, and so um, just through some conversations and uh, kind of. Um, seemed like a good fit to to come back, and so and you were happy um, to come back. Happy to come back and and yeah. uh, look at what the opportunities. And were when was that? Cordova. What year was that? Uh, that was about 2019. Okay, so I've been back about three years now. Oh, okay, um, so that's Cordova. roughly when we met then. Twenty. Yeah, I was. It's relatively new. new. I was. I was relatively new coming well, I back. I would have never thought that. Well, well, when you come back to a place you have history, it's yeah. kind of an easier, you know, slide right back yeah, into the flow. We, and, um, we actually met in. Um, February, I think, February or March of 2019. Yeah, I came back in March of 2018, so just not just about a year. Yeah. Okay. So now would be a good time to talk about Rancho Cordova today and all the exciting projects that are happening and what you're involved in. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
If I was to ask which of the following book publishing formats has the highest year-over-year -year growth in the last three years, audiobooks, paperback books, or ebooks, what would you say? If you chose audiobooks, you're absolutely correct. Unless you've been living in a cave for the last few years, you have experienced the advent of audio. Think about it. We listen to podcasts in our cars and at the gym. Portable, high-quality Bluetooth speakers are abundant, and everyone is listening to audiobooks. As a matter of fact, almost half of all Americans listened to an audiobook last year, and the audiobook market is worth nearly $3.5 billion. If you're an author and you've wondered or thought about producing an audiobook for a book you have written and published, here at the California Capitol Film Office, we can make that happen. With a newly developed sound booth and experienced sound engineers, we can help you develop your book into audio. So give us a call and let us help you bring your written book to life. For a quote or a consultation, call us at 916-706-2000. That's 916-706-2000. And now, back to the show. And we're back with the Rancho Cordova podcast. Today, we're very happy to be joined. Micah, before the break, we got to know you and your past work at Stockton and where you grew up. So now, let's talk about all things Rancho Cordova. An important project that I know you're working on is the Mills Crossing Civic Center. And that's a project that I'm personally really looking forward to, as it includes a performing arts center, amongst other things. I know it's a little controversial. I attended a city council meeting and it was definitely testy. Can you talk about this project a little bit and where the city is with it as far as timelines, et cetera? Sure. And so the Mills uh, Crossing Civic Center is a project that was started actually before I came back to the city. Um, Which is, by the way, right next door to one of your other projects. Right. right? It was the, the Folsom Lake College. Yeah. Uh, and so you see the continuation. Yeah. And so. Um, so I kind of stepped in, you know, kind of working on that project. It was already started and looking for, you know, basically a, the city was interested in a gathering place or a, amenity for the community that they could um, um, have and enjoy. And so um, through that process, really wanted to take it through a process of finding development partners, you know, who can kind of add some value to, you know, a big investment that the city was thinking about making in the facility. Um, and then kind of narrowing down what uses, you know, made the most sense there from a, from a community service standpoint. Um, and so actually the most recent action that we've taken is we, we've approved basically a pre-development work to happen and start. And that's just really where we start spending real money on architects and uses and infrastructure and, uh, you know, environmental documents. And so um, that's all been kicked off uh, a couple of months ago. So let's talk about the footprint, though. What is it? Sure. I know there's going to be housing, retail, or the theater, obviously. The theater, we're calling it a community center. Yeah. So, I mean, it's about, you know, almost 10 acres of property. Right. Um, it's it's kind of, you know, from a land standpoint, about 50 percent. Uh, residential and about 50% we're calling community commercial space. And so uh, the residential is a mix of uh, some for sale townhomes, but then some multifamily rental product. Um, the community commercial space is, uh, you know, it's going to be anywhere from 80,000 to 120,000 square feet of space. So um, the vision is uh, included um, kind of a health uh, and wellness and arts and culture kind of uh, pairing. So uh, we have a, 
you know, community health clinic that's um, interested in the space okay. and going to go move forward. Um, but then we also have the um, community theater or black box theater that um, is we're very interested in two, um, being built. Plus yeah, seats. two to three hundred yeah, seats um, black yeah. box theater right um, across from the station, right so across from Mac, yeah. uh, the Mills um, um, art studio and yeah. and basically creating that uh, space and but then also have some other community space um whether it's rehearsal space or right. um some exhibit space and or just a, a place for community gathering and parking and parking so it is included a uh, parking garage is is uh, as part wow, of the project so nice. a 300 yeah, that'll be seat great. parking garage that'll change um, that whole face of that yeah and i think we're also talking about you know, not only these community service things, but we're talking about office users that go yeah. in there. And so really trying to create kind of a full service mixed use development that's going to balance, you know, kind of the economic realities, but with also the community serving things right. that we'd like to build. And what is the timeline? Are we talking next year, three years, 10 so years? So we're starting the, the environmental review process. So that takes, you know, a year or two in the entitlement process. And so um, you're, you're, we're, optimistically looking at the end of 2024 2025 basically for it to, to be for to be finished oh um, so, so i would look years. for 2025 basically as the kind of completion date um and then basically under construction maybe by the end of um, next year beginning of of um, 2024 so this question may be a little political or you don't want to get into it but what is the problem with the housing because i don't because i know that's the issue right yeah I, I can't imagine why anybody would be opposed to more housing. Well, I think the um, when you're trying to do a mixed uh, use product on a light rail station, um, all of the planning experts and models, in order to create a place that people want to come and hang out, you really want a mix of uses. And so that includes community commercial, it right. includes residential, and yeah. it includes new residential investment. Right. And so I think... Um, it's been a long time since anybody's built new residential on Folsom Boulevard and showing that that's a model. I think some of the challenges, you know, from the community, um, and I, you know, partly they want just more community space, which is great, you know, and I think that's, you know, from a community standpoint, but something they should want. I saw some want. of the plans. There's going to be a little park, isn't there? Yeah, so there's a park in, yeah. in, those, yeah. in those pieces. So as they, you know, their concern is they just, A, want more community space, and they think there's enough residential in the area, or, you know, creating that there but i think it's really about the private investment coming in and so oh. you know the housing is really a private investor right. it's a private investment and showing that there's uh, a product of that and creating that place uh, when you see a, a more urban environment with mixed use you see all sorts of uses you see residential along with retail along with uh, commercial office space and, and the community space as well and so i also think you know, partly residential, and especially, I would say, the multifamily residential. Um, there is a long-standing, um, a, a lot of the reason why the city formed, or some of the reason why the city formed incorporated in the first place, was because they felt like they were getting too much low-income, um, low-quality housing in Rancho Cordova. And so there's some of that history and some of that feeling is just nervousness about the quality of I the see. housing that's okay. there. And so... Um, which is, you know, something to pay attention to. We need but to be I cognitive have a of that. You're not going to allow that. And that's part of it. We yeah. control the de future right. design. We we control the amenities right. and things that create what kind of that future housing looks like. And so, um, that's ultimately part of our responsibility in building it out and creating it there. We need this is really placemaking and a cultural amenity for the entire city, and it needs both this mix of 
residential and commercial to make it work right. and be successful. But it is going to happen. So we're, you know, spending a lot of money right now on yeah. uh, on the um, design pieces. And we're still going to have a lot more community outreach and community right. conversation about the project. So right. we have this framework for what it looks like. But when it comes to what exactly does the design look like? Where does actually everybody really go? What are some of the uses, you you know, we have some flexibility on? And so there's a lot more community conversations about this project. And probably one of those is also picking a name. So right. we, we've called it Mills Crossing. Originally, yeah. it was Civic Center. And so right. I think there's also this uh, misunderstanding when we called it a Civic Center originally that it was going to be some sort of city but hall or city facility. is it going to be a community facility. center? Like West Sacramento has a very nice community center with a black box. Yeah. And so I has think, a lot of services for seniors. I think seniors. that's probably more like a community center yeah. is kind of what the kind of um, ultimate look and feel. But I also think it's going to be a placemaking center, a catalyst yeah. center. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's really going to be something. And so I don't think you know, we've kind of adequately named it the right way so far to create that kind of right. opportunity, what it's going to be. And I think we're going to go through a process. Yeah. We might talk to the community about what do you think are some good names for this new right. development and, and that matches the what we really think is the right. future for it. Well, controversy or not, I, for one, I'm definitely a supporter <laughs> of that. It. Another existing, I'm sorry, another exciting project is the new housing development south of Douglas that I know you're involved with. So what is that? So as uh, Rancho Cordova, I would say, is a growing community. Not all cities have room to grow. Um, you know, some cities are really just built out and infill, but Rancho Cordova has room to grow. Um, and we're continuing to grow um, in the south area, but also in, in some of our infill areas. We're seeing housing uh, come into some of our business park spaces and our vacant land and creating a little bit more of an integrated development. Um, but we're also seeing the traditional you know, housing growth and the um, suburban growth of some of the, you know, single family. Um, and so we continue to process a lot of applications for that continued growth, um, upwards of 600 permits a year, um, building new houses in Rancho Cordova. And so um, that's continue working with existing entitlements that were already approved but with council, but also in, in approving additional um plans for new growth and new residential and um, so this particular development is it a big one so i think you know the, the newest one is rio del oro yeah so that's probably the biggest that's big one. one that has recently been approved yeah we were at the groundbreaking we took some footage mm -hmm. uh for the city for that and i one of the things that stunned me with that one is the footprint is the size of downtown sacramento yeah, it's a big area. And it's, it's got a new high school. It's in high schools. Two it's parks. 12,000 residential units. Yeah, that's so it's at the build. Now, that'll take some time. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. A, no, that you know, was all big... happen at once. But yeah. it's got a community park, yeah. you know, a large regional community park in there. And so um, that really was the first kickoff of the right. first development in there. And so basically, we have room to grow. And, and we're going to continue to grow. How big is this one, the Douglas one? Um, like you said, it's about the size of downtown. Oh, uh, this is the one that we're this talking This is Rio about. de Loro's, the oh, biggest okay. one that's uh, kind of out there. And so you also still have the continue to build out what's south of Douglas. And so there's a, a variety of both developers and, and housing developers right. and builders that are continuing to build housing. So I think it's you know part of a growing economy, part of a growing city. And I think right. partly, too, we have to look at how are those being designed and what's right. the creating that future look of density and kind of urban scale right. that even in these in these new growth areas too so in the same vein every year the city of rancho cordova's public works departments they complete a number of construction projects 
projects that beautify Rancho Cordova and ensure that the city is walkable, connecting the neighborhoods, safe, et cetera, et cetera, for bikes. What are some of the major projects you're working on right now? Any highlights that you can talk about in well, that vein? Well, I think one of the things to, you know, important things of what a city does is build infrastructure and take care of the infrastructure. We don't necessarily create private development. You know, we have to work with development community or business owners to create that. So the one thing we do control is what infrastructure looks like and what infrastructure gets built. And so I think there's a couple of things to point out is really our investment in uh, rehabbing existing streets. So we have a major investment in taking care of our streets and uh, just finished the long Folsom Boulevard, yeah. you know, kind of uh, now that street I saw frontage. From and so, beginning to end, yeah. Um, but really then taking looking at the neighborhoods and yeah. we, we're making a major investment in neighborhood streets and rehabs and making sure that at least from a public infrastructure standpoint, we look the best we can. Um, that you hope influences the private side and the people take care of their homes or their communities. And so um, I, the next one probably from that standpoint is Mather uh, Boulevard is a big project of trying to beautify Mather Boulevard, which I think is a good time with our new Mills Crossing project. It's the entrance to right. uh, to that project. Um, but you also see some some big improvements going on on White Rock. And so White Rock, where Rio Del Oro is going, it needs a nice big road to connect to Grant Line to Sunrise. Um, Sunrise south of Douglas is going to continue to expand with the development there. So are those projects city projects or does the state get involved? Those are mostly all city projects. So there's our city. Now funding sources can sometimes be from the state or the federal government. So um, but those are all city projects. Okay. Sometimes they're done with um, development impact fees for from the communities that are being built. But those are all city projects um, that uh, that the city is responsible for building. Um, some of the smaller roads or some of the neighborhood roads, but uh, are done by the developers, you know, as part of their project. Uh, but much much of the major arterials and those types of projects, like Sunrise Boulevard and White Rock Road, are city projects. So talking about developers, one thing that I was very interested, I used to live in downtown LA. And when the developer came in and did something, they had to have some art as part of that. Is that something that happens here? So we don't have a, that's usually an arts and public places program or right. policy. Yeah. And so um, I think we have a big focus on art. And For we're sure. We're very much supportive of yeah. that, but we do not have a traditional policy. No. Okay. Now I will say with some of our, um, signage and things that we're putting as part of these improvements. Um, with the Mills Crossing project, I'm sure we'll have an art piece as, as associated with that project, right. given its focus on arts probably makes a lot of sense. Right, right. Um, but, you know, when you're doing infrastructure, doing some of these things, you look at Folsom Boulevard, you see some of the fish on some of the right. things. So art is a part of it, but we right. don't have the – There's you, sometimes there's some places that have like a 1% or 2% has right. to go to art. I think we already incorporate that as part of the design of our infrastructure projects that makes the most sense to to, to do beautiful projects. Right. No, I was just because Rancho is yep. very supportive of the arts. What is the economic climate of the city today? So I, today it's good. I think there's still some nervousness right now right. as far as what's happening in the economy. Right. But um, I think we've had a couple of big develop, uh, businesses announced in the last little bit of going into our business park as well. Uh, we have Solidime that just announced its headquarters or re research and development headquarters coming to Rancho Cordova, which includes over 200,000 square feet of office space, 1,900 existing employees, office existing space. office yeah. space, 
They're investing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into their buildings. Wow. Um, their average salary for their employees is $180,000 wow. a year. When is that? Um, so they announced it's under under construction now. And wow, so they announced nice. just recently. Um, and is that in that area where City Hall is? Yeah, White Rock yeah. Um, Office Park is right. generally. And so not only that, but with that, we also have uh, UC Davis Health that basically just finished their yeah. tenant improvements. And right. so that's another thousand employees um, taking up some office space. And so office space is a little of a mystery right now of what does the remote work right. look like? Who's coming back to right, the office? Right. What are? But I think... The good news is we have two major companies that have recently announced yeah. and located, which could be a catalyst for yeah, other, yeah. other development. And I so, remember coming first to Rancho Cordo and coming to see you at City Hall, and the parking lots were swamped all around City mm -hmm. Hall. You go to City Hall today, and they're empty. Now, that doesn't mean they've left. It just means that the remote working has continued. Yeah, I think they're still trying to figure out what does that look like. And right. I think businesses are trying to find out what does their space need means. And so yeah. I think you're going to see a hybrid where yeah. there will be some people. And so I think you'll see some office tenants and office leases constrict a little bit and do what right. makes sense. But I think for the most part, there's still going to be a need for office. And that's why, you know, the investment of Solidime right. and UC Davis Health, they're, they're all going back to work. Right. And so, But from a city point of view for economic purposes you want people to come back to work right yeah absolutely. lunchtime they fill the restaurants and yeah that's all helpful and i think yeah. what um, is helpful for ranch cordova is our diversity of of business and so i think in during the pandemic it was interesting you would drive around the office park and you wouldn't see anybody yeah. the cars would right be, but you drive across sunrise and you go to the industrial part of the community and the industrial development it's packed there's right. parks cars everywhere and i that's and so exactly that's right. an yeah. interesting environment yeah. when i think part of that is what makes Rancho Cordova is successful and unique is our diversity and uses. Right. So um, we're not only successful in the office side, but we have good industrial investment. We have good um, kind of regional retail with our tile companies and our you know construction companies. We have manufacturing that's taken place here. And so I think the diversity of Rancho Cordova is, you know, the ebb and flow of, of the economy. There's usually somebody that's doing okay in that right, ebb right. and flow. And so just, you know, I think has been helpful for us is not kind of being over-reliant on one industry. And like the hotels that have struggled right. um, during the pandemic. And right. um, we've actually been still relatively successful yeah, and yeah. one of the best in the state because... No, no, yeah, we talked to Mark Saposnik yeah. about that. The occupancy rates are good and there's a new hotel about to yeah. open. And I think yeah. partly is the state, you know, having their OES headquarters right. is in Rancho Cordova. Right, right. So we get a lot of the support from right. um, National Guard and those other places right. who need hotel rooms. Right. And so we've been able to sustain, and I think that's what... And that's really an area I'm involved in, the hotels. The hotels yeah. are good here. So let's talk about retail. Um, so I know that Sprouts is about to open, which is great. I used to... Downtown LA, Sprouts was one of my favorite stores. Um, what other... Any other sort of exciting happenings in the retail sector? Maybe that's an Amanda Norton question, but... Yeah. Um, Anything? Well, I think, you know, retail is continuing to grow. I think, you know, with the Sprouts going in on Zinfandel, you have um, floor and decor taking over the old coal space. And so um, you have the Sam's Club, old Sam's Club on Sunrise. It's been vacant forever is is uh, moving forward with a the market there. And so you see work happening. And so I think retail is still moving forward. And um, as we continue to grow with our residents, as we continue to grow with our success, going to be the retail need. follows, yeah. right? Retail is kind of a... 
a little bit of a market demand type of operation. And What's so, happening at Sam's Carver? That, that must be a big, I don't know where that is, but that must be a big footprint. Yeah, it's next to Home Depot on Sunrise. You have the, oh, old, okay. it used to be the old Sam's Club. Oh, yeah, Club. yeah, yeah. Um, if you go go there now, you see basically work being done infrastructure. What's going to happen? I would say it's going to be um, an international food destination. And so it's a grocery so KP's store. KP's going to have uh, some. SF Market is the basically the, the folk who's, um, who's bought that. And so- I think it's going to be a little bit of a um, international, uh, not just food, but even retail and other okay. things. And so I think there will be almost a mall type oh, environment wow. there. And so um, we're, it's, it'll be unique to see what what that looks like. But wow. um, um, it's been yeah, yeah, for I a know long exactly. Time. Right next to Home Depot, they're they're working on it. They're now? working on it now. Okay. So subject I came to know about just the other day, which is fascinating to me, and I know you're involved in land banking like who knew what that was for listeners who may not know land banking it means it's a practice where authorities or municipalities acquire and hold land to develop for future projects and needs so in that vein is the city involved in this practice and if so what are some of the goals so for instance housing retail office maybe a brand new film office (laughs) Um, or an art house three-screen movie theater would be nice. Any sort of, first of all, is land banking a thing for you? And if so, do you plan ahead with that? Yeah, so a lot of times when you have interest, you know, from the community, it's better if you own some property to actually be able right. to negotiate with. And so we are interested in, in I, I don't know if I would call it all land banking, but land acquisition. Right. Um, so I don't think would- we... Want to necessarily sit on it forever and right. like banking sometimes, you, you, but I think we're looking at strategic opportunities to acquire. So let's property. take the movie theater one, which I think would be great. I don't think we should have a 16 plex movie theater, but an art house movie theater with three screens, because there really isn't one in Sacramento other than the Tower Theater. Um, so you would, so the city buys a piece of land and holds on to it. Then I come along and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to put a movie theater in. And you say, well, we have just the land for you. Is that how it works? Yeah. So I think a lot of times there's three reasons why we buy land as as the city, I think. And one of those is economic development opportunities. Right. And so that's like the movie theater conversation is having access. And we do have some property on Kil- Kilgore that uh, in the past has been talked about as a movie theater. So that has been a project in the past. It never got quite got traction and kind of worked. Um, but um, so you buy property for future economic development opportunities. And so you don't always say... I want a movie theater. I'm going to go buy this land right, for a movie right. theater. You say, yeah, you just say, yeah. We see opportunity sites and and we see it. So economic development is one of those reasons, and it could be a hospital, it could be a movie theater, it could whatever strategic kind of big economic development yeah. project. So the other reason why you might buy land is more of a redevelopment process. So like properties on Folsom Boulevard where you have lots of different owners and you're trying to consolidate land and do something bigger. Um, you might buy some strategic locations to um, to do basically redevelopment type work. And so that might turn into more of a residential project or more of a, you know, community serving project, but much a, a little smaller scale, um, really focused on redevelopment. And the third reason why we buy land is we're, we're going to continue to grow as a service, you know, community and, and provide services to the community. And so, you know, we bought property that we ended up or uh, we didn't buy it, we lease it, but the for the new youth center. And so there's services. We just bought some property next to the Kilgore Cemetery at someday. The Kilgore Cemetery may grow. And so I think just being 
thoughtful about our continuing growth needs as well. So those are kind of the through all the three reasons wow. why we would buy property. And so they all have their different, you know, kind of nuances to them. But I think those, so that's why buying property makes sense for us in a variety of ways. So you see, that's fascinating. So how does that work within the city hall confines? Like, do you all get together? Like what departments would sort of sit and talk about that kind of stuff? So it's usually a little bit of a balance between your kind of economic development team, your um, uh, your housing department. And so really it's the city manager's office spends a lot of time and it's something I spend a lot of time actually in the acquisition side of um, just seeing what kind of, and these are all private market transactions. Right. So you have to have a willing seller and a willing buyer. We just can't force right. people to sell right, us right. things. And, and so, you need the money. Um, and you need the money to yeah. do it. And we're in a good place where we have money right. to be able to do this with. And it's a unique opportunity. It's not always something the city has. And so it's usually a, a little bit of a collaborative, opportunistic look at um, both from your economic development team, your city manager needs, um, your, you know, kind of facility needs as you, as we talk about it. And so um, there's not one like real estate buying group that's, you know, right, meets. Right. it's really just kind of looking at those opportunities. And would that be buildings as well? If you see a building that's in distress, would that be something? Sure. We actually own a, a, a you know, kind of a, a retail establishment on Folsom Boulevard now that we bought um, that's next to a fire station, that's next to a property. We already own a vacant property, but it is a future opportunity of consolidating so I've seen all those that. Is it the one that's all boarded up? No, it's not. It's uh, it's actually an operating liquor store right oh, now. And okay. So we, um, you know, it's a convenience store that we basically bought. Um, there is a current lease on it that um, at some point will end, and we'll so probably, your landlords as well. We'll probably move on from the yeah. current use there, and right. and kind of um, we probably won't use the building. We'll probably end up, you know, uh, taking the building down, demolishing it, and then putting the up together a bigger project in the future with the fire district and station 61. So um, those are all things that are kind of longer term projects that you kind of work through. It's not something you're kind of going out and doing tomorrow, but you got to kind of prime the pump for these opportunities that, that will come forward. So I live in Palm Springs for many years and I'm very familiar with the city there. They're very picky on what goes into the downtown area. So if I all of a sudden say, I want to take this vacant store and do a liquor store, they're probably not going to approve that. Driving down Folsom, every other store is a liquor store. Why? First of all, why so many liquor stores? That's always something I've wondered. Why so many? And secondly, do, does someone have to ask you if they want to open a business, or can they just do it? So there's lots of answers to that question, but I think why the the liquor stores there. It's a kind of why cityhood formed because you're seeing a lot of these uses that the community uh, may not want to see. Right. Part of that reason for city incorporation is we can control those future uses. Right. And so we have the Folsom Boulevard specific plan. That not was, that there's anything wrong with liquor right. stores. No, and there's just so many. So it's, many, right? Yeah. And so um, you want to make a, have a, a variety of good uses that you right. have in the community. And so we have the Folsom Boulevard specific plan that basically says what you can and can't do ah, within the business so that community. Exists. And so that exists. And okay. so zoning exists and uses exist. So there are um, rules or process, and it may be different for different different places. Um, and there might be uses that have to go through for more hoops. You might need a conditional use permit to get a liquor license. You might need a conditional use permit to get a daycare established. So there's certain uses that might have more process associated with them. Um, because they probably have a different impact in the community that you want to be able to review. And so um, that happens across the city. And so lots of times you'll do documents like a Folsom Boulevard specific plan that sets a vision for what you want to see. 
now you still have to have private investment to make it happen. Right. But from a city standpoint, you still have to balance the economic realities with your goals for what you want to see for the future and what's the imp implementable right. steps along the way to get there. Another thing that I've noticed here is, um, so in Desert Hot Springs, which is a city next to Palm Springs, is they call that the marijuana capital of mm -hmm. California. It's where they grow and obviously, and then everywhere there are uh, marijuana stores, weed stores. The Rancho doesn't allow them, right? Correct. So the, the policymakers, the council, when all of this kind of legalization happened for uh, for marijuana, decided that they didn't want to be a place that right. it was legal. Which um, is fair enough. Which, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, the, that's... But it brings that, in a lot of... Doesn't it bring in a lot of tax revenue? It, it can bring in some tax revenue. I think, you know, folks are seeing the reality of what right. that really is in the communities and cities right. that have approved it. And but so, that's a city council policy. That's a city council yeah. policy. Okay. And so... Um, they can make some of those rules that right. you know basically um, dictate you know yeah. what's allowed here, and so uh, right I, now I, we I don't have that. I see the pluses and minus for sure on both sides. As assistant city manager, you're responsible for some fairly important divisions within city hall. So let's talk about two or three, and perhaps you can tell us what they are and what how you oversee them. So we've already talked about a couple, but housing division. So what is that, and what is you, what do you do? Yeah, so I think we've talked about the economic development and the community right. development stuff. And so there's probably two other ones that probably are the you know, key ones for the community. One is housing and so affordable housing. And so we have certain responsibilities as the city from the state that dictate you know, affordable housing requirements that we need to build for the community. And so um, there's different resources out there to fund affordable housing projects. And so um, it's really working on projects and working with the development community to find those um, housing projects, we get funding. So sometimes it involves selecting a development partner um, to build affordable housing projects. Um, and sometimes that's a negotiation. Sometimes there's a big public process of selecting certain sites for affordable housing development. And so um, we have one moving forward right now on Folsom Boulevard um, next to the Sunrise um, Light Rail Station um, next to the hotels that's basically, you know, in construction or getting ready to start construction for a new... And that'll um, be affordable housing? That'll be an affordable housing What project. does affordable housing mean? So affordable housing basically is um, rent-restricted units. So basically you have um, units that are built, apartments that are built that are all the same quality as your market rate apartment complex or sometimes better quality right. than your apartment because right. of all the funding and sources right. that are needed. Um, but those units, you know, have the restrictions. Rent is capped. It's, it's capped at different levels. And so you could have, you know, 50% of uh, median income or 80% of medium income. So lots of times you'll see a mix of those incomes in an affordable housing project where you'll have multiple units and they all have a different set of affordable requirements. And so that's really meant to create a mixed income environment um, for those developments. And there's different state resources, federal resources, local resources to build those types of And a potential tenant has to meet They have the to meet criteria. those criteria. But, you know, like 80% units, there's, you know, those are folks who probably are your, some of your, you know, retail workers. Right. They're your right. bus drivers. Right. They're, they're folks yeah. in your community that are having a hard time to yeah. find places to yeah. live in the community where they work. No, and so no, that's, listen, I it's know. an important it's, piece that, yeah. you know, is a part of the community that um, you want to create options for for individuals who live here and the state mandates 
how much you have. They they mandate some of our performance and zoning, like how much we have to zone and performance. So there's lots of housing rules and right. laws around housing. And so um, it's pretty complicated yeah. that I don't even understand sometimes right, right. So we have to use some of our experts, to whether it's on our legal or policy or teams. But um, we do have a mandate to um, to build affordable housing and to zone for affordable right. housing. And sometimes that gets a little bit uh, tricky with your landowners and big property owners. They don't necessarily want to zone land for right. affordable housing. And so it becomes, you know, a negotiation. A couple of the others, we've already talked about them, but community development is one I had. And then obviously economic. Another one, which I did not know that you oversaw, which is one of my favorites because we have been helped by it. And that's community enhancement and investment fund. So you oversee that as... So we have, you know, we've had the pleasure of our community supporting a couple of tax right. measures, yeah. both Measure H and Measure R, right. which we now kind of talk about as community enhancement investment funds. And so um, these are resources that we use from a programmatic standpoint that um, we go through a process to do interesting and new community services. Right. We do a grant program application process. So we do a process by which we find users for the different um, grants that are out there. And so we have an application process looking for good ideas in the community. Right. How, what are good nonprofit no, it's a great events, program. things that you want to do. But and you so, as assistant city manager oversee that program? So we have a team that, that yeah. works on that. And so I, that you're you know, the, the, over, the, the over. That is a group that I get yeah. to work with and okay. as a team. And well, so listen, they I think it's fun. a great program. And every year, some great projects Every year come comes from out, it. and then there's programmatic things. There's certain infrastructure projects, yeah. or there's economic development type right. projects that we'll programmatically right. want to do. So it's really, and it's tracked differently than our traditional general fund. And right. so we very purposefully hold these accounts separately as, you know, these separate tax measures, which is different than most cities. A lot of cities, they just get buried in the general fund, and you don't see where they right. go. We really want to show what right. happens with those funds. Right. Well, I'm told we're almost out of time, but... One last question. What's next for Micro Runner? Well, I think, you know, from there's a lot of good future opportunities in Rancho Cordova. And I think um, really it's this is a great place to work and be in a part of. We have the flexibility to not be um, in a big bureaucratic city, but we can get things done. And I think we like to try. We like to uh, experiment. We like to see what else and things can be done. And so right. I think. Uh, we'll continue to want to be a diverse set of of investment for both right. a development standpoint and from a community standpoint. Right. We're a diverse community, and we want to continue that diversity and support that diversity. Well, if someone asked me what's next, my next would be don't leave. <laughs> that would be my next. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, I'm yeah. not planning on it. Right. We always end this podcast in a fun way um, with a lightning round of fun questions. And... Um, I ask everybody the same five questions, and we've had some very unique and surprising answers from past guests. So, what is one word that best describes you? Opportunistic. If you can be a person for a day besides yourself, who would it be and why? I would be my dog because Me too. he seems to have a good life. Me too. <laughs> yes. Very good. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve? I think my biggest pet peeve is, is lack of honesty. It's like, you know, authenticity. I really believe in authenticity and people being real. Right. And so I just, 
from my standpoint, so someone when you're who fake isn't or that, you're not yeah. kind of real and you're trying to position yourself in some way, I that that's a pet peeve. Yeah. Do you have any hidden talents? I I can juggle just you know a little bit, you can? and so um, but I probably need to practice before you challenge me on that. <laughs> So Shelly uh, Blanchard should have you at Kids Day as a juggler. Well, you know, I might need to get a few more, you know, balls into the mix and right. get better at it. But uh. Uh, what project are you working on today that you can't stop thinking about? I, the Mills Crossing Civic Center is one. Yeah. That's just it's a big investment that the city's right. making into the community. It's a hundred plus million dollars, and so it's always kind of on my mind as a, right. as something that's happening. City manager, same question, same answer. <laughs> Oh, good. We're on. We're we're aligned then. Right, and a very unfair question I've come to realize with people in your position. But what is your favorite restaurant in Rancho Cordova? Well, I usually cheat and say KP Market because it's not one restaurant; right, it's, it's a food hall, I guess, if you will. And so, um, and if I'm not going to say that, I'll I'll answer and say um, a famous burger. I I love burgers. And I've seen and you so, there a couple of times. So, so I think that's a. That would be my favorite restaurant, but you you know, unique experience food is KP. But I, I, I will I, attest that if I see you at lunchtime, it's normally at at. Um, anytime somebody puts pastrami on a burger, yeah, it seems like a it. good idea. <laughs> well, that's about all we have time in today's episode of the Rancho Cordova podcast. Today we've been talking with Rancho Cordova Assistant City Manager Micah Runner, Micah. Thank you so much for your time. I know this is a very busy time for you, and I certainly appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Rancho Cordova podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please follow us and leave us a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Also, please visit our website at www.ranchocordovapodcast.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send us a message via the website. And until next time, this is your host, Charles Lego.